You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So we were thinking about using generative AI not just for something that can be used to kind of dupe uh, users into executing malicious code, but how the attackers could use it to actually generate or convert some malicious code and some actual exploits to cause some real damage, more specifically in OT and on managed devices. That's Daniel Dos Santos, head of security research at Forescout. The research we're discussing today is titled AI-assisted attacks are coming to OT and unmanaged devices. The time to prepare is now. Well, let's walk through this together. I mean, I mean, you have this tool, and I think probably for most of our audience, it's a tool that at the very least they've played with. How do you approach this? Where do you begin? Yeah, so um, our idea is we took an exploit which we already had uh, that we developed for a kind of a proof of concept that we had in the past for um, an exploit for operational technology, right, for a programming logic controller. And we wanted to convert that into a different language, right? So the original exploit was written in Python as a short script. We wanted to uh, use that in Go because we see a lot of malware being written in Go these days. And because, uh, you know, it allows for cross-compilation and, and to run in different architectures and things like that. So we just wanted to explore Go. The issue is that none of us kind of um, knew Go. So we wanted to explore from the eyes of uh, a complete beginner, let's say, how you would use a generative AI tool to, to, to assist in that process. And that actually is interesting because it simulates something that attackers from time to time have to do, which is taking a public exploit, taking a proof of concept, taking a part of a code that actually exists and translating that, converting that, embedding that into other uh, malware, other malicious code to make it more uh, useful, let's say, right? So what we did is we just kind of had a chat with ChatGPT, right? The specific uh, generative AI tool that we used where we were uh, asking the tool to uh, generate parts of the new code that we wanted it uh, to generate. And in the process, you know, we kind of guided the tool uh, where we needed some corrections or things like that. But the whole process took something like 15 minutes. And in the end, we had the the, uh, working exploit as we intended. Well, tell me about the exploit that you were using in your experiment here. What sort of functionality did it have? 
Yeah, so uh, originally it was part of, of a larger attack which we developed uh, where we wanted to show how adversaries can uh, infiltrate networks from the IoT part of the network, so from IoT devices that are exposed like IP cameras and and uh, network-attached storage devices and things like that, then move laterally to IT computers, servers, workstations, and then from there move to OT networks and find uh, vulnerable devices like PLCs and then exploit them. And the exploit in this case is a, is a denial of service, right? It's crashing the device so that you need to to uh, manually reboot it, uh, manually in the sense of like power cycling it, like, like a hard reboot. So what we did is we took this last component part, the part that uh, crashes the PLC, and we wanted to have a very simple version of it, which was avoiding all the network scanning, avoiding all the all the parts before, and just really focus on the core exploit, which is crashing the PLC by sending a malicious packet. So we kind of just, we had the the, the format of the malicious packet, and we told uh, uh, the tool, ChatGPT, to generate the code around it that would create the connection, send it to the specific target, check if the target is alive, and things like that. Hmm. So help me understand here. It was... The way you're describing it, so this was not a case of, for example, loading in the Python code and saying, hey, chat GPT, convert this for me. No, no, it was not exactly like that because we wanted to change it a little bit. And also because there are some safeguards in tools like chat GPT if it identifies that the code is potentially malicious or, you know, if you're asking, ah, convert this malware for me or something like that. The tool will actually say, you know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to generate malicious code or things like that. So we basically just, just told the tool to, to um, take parts of, of what we wanted, like, you know, write a, a, a scanner uh, in Go for this um, part of the network and things like that. And uh, it, uh, it, yeah, we, we were driving the parts of the code that we wanted. Of course, we had a part. That was actually, you know, some parts of it were like the the equivalent of of the of the Python code that we wanted it to translate, but some other parts were just saying, you know, fix this this thing here, uh, or or change this part of the code and things like that. So it was not just like put the whole code in and and we get the whole code out, right? What it was a little bit more of a, a conversation. Yeah. You mentioned that ChatGPT has some safeguards built in. How, how did you approach this to? avoid tripping some of those safeguards. Yeah, so in this case, it was really uh, by not mentioning that things are malicious, right? Because in, in this case, it's uh, it was difficult. It would be difficult for the tool to identify that that's an actual exploit. I mean, you're sending a packet over the network and the packet could be could be benign, could be malicious, could be you know just, uh, just checking if a device is alive. So the payload itself wasn't known um, to be malicious by the tool. So in this case, you 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 can use it without uh, you know uh, uh, tripping any of the uh, of the safeguards, right? Because if you if you mention specific things like write a malware or create an exploit or let me test this vulnerability or things like that, that would become obvious to the tool that that you're trying to create malicious code. But when you're just asking for code, right? Code that can have a, a dual purpose. Let's say uh, the tool won't won't notice that you're doing anything malicious. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. 
Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Now, you say that you and your colleagues were, uh, by your own admission, not experts when it came to Go code. Uh, how did you evaluate the code that it uh, spat back at you? Yeah, so that's 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 a, a good question because there were two. I mean, the test was actually running it on the network, right? But there are two parts to it. The first is making sure that the code like compiles, like runs, so the code makes sense. And uh, the second is that the code does what it's supposed to do, right? So the first part is you take the code that the the tool spits out and you you try to run it. And in some cases there were issues like missing packages and things like that. And then we just ask the tool itself, like, you know, ChatGPT, I'm getting this error line. What what can you tell me? How can I fix this? And then the tool would realize, oh yeah, I, I forgot to add one line, or maybe you forgot to add the uh, to 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 install this specific package on your computer. So please go ahead and do this, 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 and the following. Uh, it was really very uh, kind of step-by-step uh, instruction on, on how to run the, the actual code. And the second part to test that it works, it was really when the code was running, compiling, let's say, we could actually just, just run it on the, um, on the lab, the same lab where we tested the original Python exploit and we saw that things were working. Is there any sense when you look at the code that it generated of, of how um, sophisticated or elegant or, or efficient it is? Yeah, so in this case, the code was was somewhat simple, right? Like there was nothing too too complex around it. Uh, there was another uh, experiment we did, which is not in, in in published in this research per se, but it was looking looking at other uh, use cases and applications that were more in the in the medical domain, uh, like trying to write uh, you know parsers for some some specific protocols to get some data out and things like that. In that case, it was. Interesting to see because the code was a little bit more complex, right? It's 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 a parser for for uh, some fields in in a protocol. It was interesting to see that uh, the tool struggled sometimes with things like regular expre- expressions, but in other cases it had some very good code in the sense that it follows, you know, standard. Uh, in that case, we were using Python, not Go. It follows the standard, you know, Python guidelines for um, for formatting of the code or for for the, the libraries that you would use and things like that. So it's kind of a mixed uh, a mixed bag there in the sense that you 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 can get very good code, you can get code that that works pretty well, or you can get code that is somewhat in between uh, and 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 works some of the times doesn't work all the times, right? So you you do need it's not it's not kind of get it and 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 it for sure it will be running sometimes you need to massage the code a little bit but you can use oftentimes the tool itself to to help you do that it strikes me that it's a potentially a huge time saver and also takes away that problem of staring at the blank page yeah i think the time saving component is is the most important one it's like again we could have learned probably enough Go or or or, or looked at examples uh, to write it ourselves. But if the tool is there to help you, and it's not just Go, right? Imagine we would want to do the same thing in Rust or in any other programming language or 
you know, this thing I mentioned before for the parsers, uh, writing regular expressions can be pretty annoying. If the tool can help you with that, it's 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 a great tool, right? And that's that's what I mentioned right at the beginning of, of our conversation, that both the, the good guys and the bad guys are looking at the tool with the same kind of different motivations, let's say, or different purposes, but the same motivation, right? The motivation is to save time, to gain efficiency, to have more, let's say, return on investment on whatever they're doing. Of course, the the purpose in some cases is to detect attacks uh, or to increase business efficiency or whatever good uh, uh, motivation or, or a purpose that can be. But in other cases, it's to launch more attacks, to have attacks launched faster, to have attacks that might go deeper into a network because you have less time crafting specific exploits for specific environments or, or trying to understand the environment you're in because the tool can help you with that. So based on what you all have gathered here and learned, what are your recommendations for folks out there who are tasked with defending their organizations? How does this inform that process? As of now, the attacks themselves, let's say the tactics, techniques, and procedures that the attackers are using are probably not changing uh, super fast, right? The fact that they are using or they can be using generative AI means that the attacks will come faster. Uh, they will come probably at a higher uh, rate, a higher volume. So you can expect an increase in attacks. But that's something that we were um, already um, uh, expecting, right? We are already experiencing an increase in attacks. This is just, again, probably exploding the number of, of attacks that we will uh, foresee. So as of now, the nature of attacks is not changing too much. We do expect that maybe in the future there can be new types of attacks, you know, mixing things like disinformation, mixing things like, again, the phishing campaigns that can become more sophisticated or in some specific domains, like I mentioned healthcare in the past, I really like to cite this research that was not done by us, but it was done by an academic group of researchers a couple of years ago where they trained a, a, a gener generative adversarial network again to... Um, create images of uh, patients that had gone through CT scans and they inserted fake tumors in those in those uh, images, right? Which is very scary and it's, it's, it's a terrible use of the technology, but it allows you to imagine what kind of, of uh, potential outcome attackers can, can, can get with that. So I would say for each specific domain, there's probably a, a different type of attack that in the future can happen that we're not even imagining now. So I, I would urge, you know, the research community to look at that, people who are domain experts to, to think about how this technology could be misused in their environment to look at that. But from a cybersecurity point of view, a general, you know, defending against attacks that, that we are seeing these days, I would also urge uh, the defensive community, the, the uh, security operations center analysts, the, the you know, cyber defenders out there to look at how to use AI in their day-to-day -day job to make it more efficient, right? We all know that um, people are flooded with uh, intrusion detection alerts these days. Maybe generative AI can help you to, to go through those alerts and see what is actually a, a, a threat. Uh, we all know that like reverse engineering code and understanding malware code is very difficult. There are People out there looking at how to use generative AI to explain reverse engineered code and make that kind of human understandable, human readable, uh, and so on and so on, right? Even generating code for threat hunting and things like that. So there's lots of opportunities for the defenders as well, as well to use this type of technology for their own uh, purposes.
Our thanks to Daniel Dos Santos from Forescout for joining us. The research is titled AI-assisted attacks are coming to OT and unmanaged devices. The time to prepare is now. We'll have a link in the show notes. Everybody, want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.